0: Welcome to it. It's Husker Sports Weekly, episode number 70 for you today. It's your one-stop shop for all things Husker Sports. And we have a lot to get through because a lot has happened over the last week, and we have not been here to talk about it. So let's dive in. Topics for today, Nebraska football hiring two new assistant coaches, an offensive coordinator, and an offensive line coach yesterday, which was Tuesday, December 7th we have a big transfer in the portal that almost everybody if you live under a rock you haven't heard about it but everybody has heard about so we'll talk about that we'll talk about women's basketball and their 9-0 start to the 2021-22 campaign and we'll talk men's basketball and their more than disappointing loss to michigan last night at the vault but before we get into any of that connor clark grant Hansen, here with you as always You can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson 15 underscore Hanson. You can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly, and you can find our show on your favorite podcast networks. Just search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar. So let's dive in. Let's dive in with the big transfer that came out just about a week ago, right after we got finished uh, recording our last episode, which is pretty ill-timed for us at least. But Adrian Martinez has entered the transfer portal. He announced that via his Twitter page, his Twitter reading, the University of Nebraska will always be a place I can call home. It has been an honor and a privilege to represent the N for four years. I want to thank Coach Scott Frost, Mario Verduzco, and the rest of the staff for giving me an opportunity to play for such a great university. Thank you to my teammates and lifelong friends for making my time here special. Thank you to the people of Nebraska for your continued support throughout my journey. I made the decision to put my name in the transfer portal. I am excited for the next opportunity ahead. I will always be a Nebraska Cornhusker at heart and a proud alum. Adrian Martinez in the transfer portal, leaving a lot of questions for Scott Frost and the rest of his offensive staff. Do you go with Smothers? Do you go shopping in the portal? But Adrian Martinez, the four-year starter for Nebraska and the only starter really under Scott Frost is out, and he's looking for a new destination for his fifth and final year of college football.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to me. I, I I feel like in a lot of ways, I I don't have. I I think a lot of Husker fans expressed uh, sadness uh, on a certain level with Adrian leaving, and that really wasn't there. I, I I didn't have that sadness that I think a lot of people had in the Nebraska fan base, and it it was just very hard for me to understand why so many fans felt that way. I I, I think. Nebraska needed to move on from Adrian uh in so many ways not because um because he was bad uh I it was just it was time and Scott Frost needs to prove he can win period uh, but he really needs to prove he can win without Adrian at all um I think Scott Frost has won I think one game without Adrian Martinez maybe maybe two um so I think that was something that really stuck out to me initially, that, hey, look, this needs to happen on Nebraska's side, too. And then from Adrian's side, Adrian has a chance here to go and chase success. Um, you know, in, in a way, he really never did get to do previously uh, somewhere else. So whether it's K-State, whether it's UCLA, um, or, or somewhere we haven't even talked about yet, either way, I'm happy for Adrian wherever he ends up because I, I, I think he's going to find success there Uh, and he gets a chance to stand alone and he gets a chance to prove himself outside of Nebraska as well.
0: Yeah. An incredible four year career for Adrian Martinez at the university of Nebraska, being the first ever true freshman to start a football game at the university of Nebraska, obviously had a lot of offensive success as the all time leader in yards for this program. And one of the most decorated individual players that this program has ever had, obviously the success Never really came as a team while Martinez was at the helm, but we wish him the best of luck going forward. A couple of schools have kind of reached in his final handful. We've heard K-State being thrown around a lot, Fresno State. He's from Fresno, California, so he does have an opportunity to go home, if he wishes, Uh, so best of luck to Adrian Martinez wherever he goes. I was a little sad to see him transferring, but also not surprised. Just whenever you have a four-year guy who's in the spotlight that much and plays that much for a program, you're going to miss him. But I think it was appropriate decision for him. I think it's time for the program to move on. Um, obviously, no hard feelings, at least from the fan base, to Adrian Martinez. Um, so, That We we wish him the best of luck moving on in his collegiate football career. Let's move on to the more recent news that came out yesterday, or actually today. It was expected to be yesterday, but a new offensive coordinator and a new offensive line coach have been hired for Nebraska, Mark Whipple, out of Pitts. He's hired as the new offensive coordinator, averaged 43 points per game at Pitts. That's what they're averaging as a team. Over 500 yards on the season this year. Um, so that's a good omen. And the offensive line coach, Donovan Raiola, coming over from the Chicago Bears, Nebraska connection there with his brother. So two big hires for this program, two much-needed hires from this program. This will help out with recruiting after Mickey Joseph getting hired just about a week ago as well. So Scott Frost and Co. on the move here in the in the coaching portal, if you will. Um, Grant, what do you think about these hires? Do you like them? Do you dislike them? What do you think these two guys can bring to the table?
1: Yeah, I I think I'm mostly ambivalent generally about these hires. Uh, I I don't think big word you true. Uh, I, I don't think, you know, as we sit here recording this on Wednesday that I'm disappointed in any of the hires. And, you know, I think Mickey Joseph is probably the one I'm the most pleased with. I mean, he's doing work Right now in Louisiana and throughout the South, recruiting already for Nebraska. Um, you know he's uh, he's handled a lot of different things really well already. So I'm obviously very pleased with that. It's hard not to be excited a little bit considering Pitt's numbers this year, considering what was done with uh, with Pickett, the uh, the quarterback at uh, Pitt this year. Those are both exciting things to me uh i i am curious on from your perspective you know as the resident bears fan uh here on the program but i've heard you complain a lot about the bears offensive line at different points that is that is true this season where does that stack up is it coaching i mean what what is the deal What, what are your thoughts on the rayola hire especially considering you know your fanship
0: I think it's a a mixture of coaching and a mixture of age. I still don't understand the Jason Peters signing for the Chicago Bears. I I still don't. He's been atrocious this year. And the offensive line as a whole with the Bears has not been good. And that's been one of many reasons why the Bears have not had the success that they want, especially with a brand-new quarterback under center. But... Coming back to the college game, I think that being able to develop younger players and have that experience in the NFL and those connections in the, into the NFL, I think that's going to be appealing for college offensive linemen because he's been there, he's done it before, he's coached at that level so he knows people, he can get tape out there. I think that's a big, big thing, especially in collegiate athletics. We talk about with Fred Ho- Hoiberg all the time. He's got those NBA connections. He knows people in the NBA, so he can get his players that extra exposure to those people in the league. But overall, I, I would agree with you. I'm not disappointed in any of these hires. I think Mark Whipple is a very good hire for the offensive coordinator job. Obviously, a little bit older. He's 64 years old. But um, I, I think Donovan Raiola can it, – it's it's a new face, and sometimes when you when you have that going for you in a program, especially in college, after you haven't had success consistently with your old coach, I think that can provide a spark. And once again, I think those NFL connections will be really appealing to collegiate athletes and guys who want to make it to that next level.
1: Yeah, and, and it seems very likely that last uh, coaching spot will be filled by Ron Brown uh, at this time. So the Ron Brown currently... Uh, the interim uh, running backs coach, uh, but he's been on enough recruiting trips at this point that I that I think you can safely assume that he'll probably be retained as the running backs coach full time, which I like that too. Again, some of the same the age considerations might come into play a little bit, but you know that really only is on the recruiting side, uh, and he's already had an impact on the recruiting side in these short, the short months. So maybe that, um, criticism or worry can be put to rest a little bit. Uh, if indeed, you know, Ron Brown hasn't been formally announced, but with the hiring of these two positions here, uh, you would think that would be coming soon. And the only other thing is, you know, at this point seems like no dedicated special teams coordinator again. Uh, is the likely side of things. But I mean, did see something from Mitch Sherman a little bit earlier today where, you know, if Nebraska lost a coach on the defensive side of the ball uh, to somewhere else, that they would uh, reshuffle likely the defensive side of things and add a special teams coordinator. So that's a possibility. Maybe they just totally shuffle things outright. And maybe Ron Brown isn't hired as the running backs. Uh, coach and he stays on as the uh, senior offensive analyst where he's spent a lot of his time uh, already here at Nebraska there's a lot of things that could move around uh, in the coming days on that front uh, for those last two question marks or really question mark and a half I suppose uh, on that coaching staff And, and now it's now it's recruiting now it's transfer portal now it's you know, guys like De coldest, uh the coldest to uh, <laughs> ever do it. Um, you know, already, already, Mickey Joseph has done work with him and uh, getting him to decommit from LSU. He's already received an offer from Nebraska. Uh, there's been some work on some LSU guys in the transfer portal. There already are a couple of big LSU names in the transfer portal that haven't had ties tie or drawn directly to Nebraska yet, but they're on the offensive side of the ball. So, there's a lot of pieces that could move. Uh, in the coming days, besides the coaching staff, and I think when you look at the coaching staff on, on, on just the face of it today, initially none of those guys have spoke yet. But again, you get a young guy on the offensive line to run the offensive line. Uh, you know, Rayola's. If maybe you get a connection there to uh, young Mr. Quarterback Rayola. Uh, I was who, just about to mention him, who is probably going to be one of, if not the highest, um, recruited quarterback uh, in his class um, so you're, you're going to find you know quickly there are there is some strategic additional sides to these these hires uh, especially with Rayola and then again with with Whipple you get a guy who's been around the block he's been a head coach before maybe he can provide some really solid advice for Frost in different situations and give um, you know almost a mentoring role to, to Frost and so that's possible in there uh as well again 64 maybe a little bit more than older than some people would have liked but again you can't argue with the production that they had this year at Pitt. i mean that that was incredibly
0: impressive yeah and you mentioned dylan raiola who is the nephew of donovan this kid's legit he's class of 2024 high school graduating class he's got an all-american invite to the under armor all-american game he has offers from west virginia texas tech USC, Alabama, Ohio State. He wanted to visit to Ohio State. He's not offered by them yet. Notre Dame, Arizona, and Texas A&M. So a couple of years until he really gets going with recruiting there, but something to look out for, some sort of connection there um, with Dylan Raiola as well. So two big new coaching hires for this Nebraska staff. We'll keep an eye on any new additions or any Shifts there as as Grant mentioned, the coldest to ever do it. Crawford decommitting from LSU. Uh, just think of the NIL deals that guy could have mm. <laughs> coming here to Nebraska. Certainly. Um, so that would be that would be quite. I mean, you got to throw his name on a T-shirt, right? I think that would probably be the highest selling piece of Husker merchandise there is out there. So that that would be pretty fun to to have him aboard here. But those are the two new coaching hires for Nebraska. And, uh, I mean, let, let's move on towards the, the hardwood side of things. It's polar opposites. We have one really good, which we'll talk about first, and one it's <laughs> kind of really bad. Uh, no, so I, let's I move would on to women's hoops.
1: I would drop the kind out of there just really
0: bad. <laughs> just really bad. But let's move on to women's hoops because they beat Minnesota on the road the other day uh, by a score of 70-67. to 67. They're nine and zero. Amy Williams and company are quietly nine and zero, and they're on the verge of being ranked, depending on how the rest of the week goes. They play Indiana State on Saturday at one p.m. back at PBA. Go out and watch this team. They are fun to watch. They're really good, obviously, because they haven't lost yet. But uh, I mean, th- this team is 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 just a lot of fun. Killed everybody in the first three games, as, as we talked about. Their first four games, they beat Creighton. Uh, they won both of their games at their holiday tournament out in San Diego. They killed Wake Forest on the road. As I just mentioned, they just beat Minnesota on the road 70-67 to 67 for their first conference win of the year. And their three remaining games before they get into the bulk of the Big Ten play. Indiana State this Saturday at 1 p.m., then they go... Uh, back to PBA against Drake on Sunday, December 19th, and then they host Wyoming on December 22nd, which is a Wednesday at noon. Both of the, those last two games are at noon. This team could very easily be 12-0 and heading to Michigan State to start Big Ten play and have a little bit of a number next to their name. Amy Williams is, is really doing a great job with the squad, and I know you have players like Sam Hybe, Jazz Shelley, Ashley Scoggin, Izzy Bourne, They've been studs for this squad so far, but the well, well-rounded well roster that Amy Williams possesses with this group, and you have multiple weapons from outside, you have multiple weapons inside, don't forget about Kendall Coley, she's a good addition off the bench, and this is just, they're a very fun team to watch. I think that's the best word I could use to describe them other than good.
1: Yeah, I think fun to watch is a good way of describing it. I like that. Uh you know, is is we as you look at that team, I, I got a little honestly, I, I was a little bit nervous. I mean, Minnesota, you that was a team they struggled with a year ago. Um, they struggled to close some of those games out against the Big Ten opponents that were worse than them. And the difference I think was that On Monday night, instead of like last year when they would lose to those teams, they found a way to win. Uh, Early season, first Big Ten conference game of the year. That's a quality win for this team. And uh, we'll see how the rest of the conference slate goes. They have three non conference games before they get back into conference play. But I mean, that's an encouraging sign that they went on the road and won a game like that. Um, against an opponent like that that gave them so much trouble last year and gave them trouble in this game specifically. So, again, Indiana State, that's a good uh, uh, opponent to kind of get set for before they play Drake and Wyoming to round out non-conference.
0: Just a couple of individual stats. Leading scores so far for this team, Jazz Shelley averaging 15 a game. Izzy Bourne with 11. Ashley Scoggin with 9.3. Sam Hybe with 9. Bella Cravens. Uh, with 8.8. I apologize, Bella, I forgot to mention you, but she is another huge contributor to this team. Alexis Markowski, former Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Nebraska, she's really made a name for herself as well. She won Freshman of the Week in the Big Ten a week ago, and she's been a great spark off the bench. Don't forget about Allison Widener. Um, you have other freshmen in Moriarty. So this team is, it's, it's a great balance of Returners, transfers, and young talent. Because Josh Kelly wasn't here a year ago. Sam Hybe was the Husker MVP of the team, and you had Izzy Bourne last year. You had Bella Cravens last year. You had Ashley Scoggin last year. You have Yiner Moriarty and Markowski, all freshmen, and they've all played in all nine games. I'm pretty, yeah, all nine games. So that's a, another big thing to. Get those young players experienced, especially heading into conference play, and you've already had a close road test, which is kind of a a rare thing to come by when you're kind of a a freshman and you don't have like, okay, we're we're blowing teams out left and right here to begin the season. Then you win a, a closer one against Creighton. Then you win a road game against Wake Forest. But then you go into conference and you win a close road game against a team that, as Grant just mentioned, gave you a lot of trouble last year. And to those freshmen, Minnesota's never given them trouble because they've never had to play them. So that only builds that confidence, in my opinion. And I think this team could really be I mean, I know it's still early, but come March, they could be a top four seed in this postseason tournament, as in the Big Ten tournament.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I I could see that certainly. Uh, I think, you know, they'll they'll get those later Big Ten tests the Iowa's, the Maryland's. Uh, But, you know, right now, the only way I th- I think there's been a lot of talk here in, in Nebraska about ranking this this team, uh, which like I don't think it's like super crazy and out there to say they should be ranked. Yeah, like saying that like it's like oh, okay, so you agree with the rest of the state? Congrats. But uh, you know, <laughs> I I think uh, I I think you know they have a very clear path to getting ranked, and they're doing all the right things to get there just win games and they do. and they have done plenty of that <laughs> so far this year um, you know I they're receiving votes right now they receive votes I I believe after this Minnesota win uh, if they take care of business against Indiana State on Saturday they will likely be ranked uh, as the, as they head into next week um, so that's really encouraging again it's a really balanced attack for this team that's definitely something that, you know, really sticks out to me at the very least. You have Jazz Shelley with 15 points a game. And, and, of course, you know, Shelley is is all over the place. I mean, in almost every statistical category, she's had a really major impact this year. Uh, but, again, right behind her, Izzy Bourne, 11 points per game. Then Ashley Scoggin with 9.3. Sam Hybe with uh, 9. And then 8.8 from Bella Craven. So that's five players on this team that average... Uh, you know, 8.8 points per game or above. That's a really balanced group. And then Murkowski's 7.4. And, of course, depending on the night, she can give you 10 to 15 points as as well off the bench if she has a good night. So, again, there's just a lot of depth through this group that's very, very valuable. And then, again, you have the star players in Bourne and Shelley uh, and Hybe as well who can take over a game for you. And Hybe certainly did that in the fourth quarter against Minnesota.
0: And a couple of team stats here that really jump off the page and are a big reason why this team keeps winning the way they do. Their assist-to-turnover ratio is 1.4. Their rebounding differential is 12. And take this into consideration with the early games, and they were absolute blowouts. But this team has a point differential so far of 30.8. They score 84.8 points a game. They allow 54 points. That is as a smart man would say, good, very good. So that's a big reason why this team is winning. And I think that that 12 rebounding margin is a big reason why this team is winning as well. You average 46.7 rebounds in a contest. And we talk about this with the men's team as we'll get to them in a second about they struggle with rebounding. This women's team has done a great job with rebounding. And I mentioned the assist to turnover ratio is 1.4. It's also really good. And they've averaged 16.3 points per game off of turnovers. So, again, another great stat there. They average 6.1 steals per game. That's a lot of steals. 5.4 blocks per game. So, it, they, they just have a lot of, yes, they have the flashy stats with the points and the three-point percentage, which is plus 40% and the field goal percentage, which is nearing 50. But they do the little things right. They play defense the right way. They rebound the right way. They're smart with the basketball. And they know how to convert turnovers into points. Because there's nothing worse when you are a good defensive unit and you're able to cause these turnovers and you get nothing out of it. Or you get fouled in transition and you can't hit the free throws. But this team is able to do that. And I think those littler things, those smaller, not-as-flashy stats are very important to this team's success, and it's been a huge contributor to this 9-0 and start so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've been all over the place. On the defensive side of the ball, um, on the offensive side, you know, it's 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 good. And now they have expectations, uh, I think, in a lot of ways. You're going to see things shift. as you know as the men's team continues to fall off um and, and as the football news continues to move further and further uh into the background in the next over the course of the next month or so uh if if you know if they keep winning they're going to start drawing a lot of attention here locally uh, i i think um and again you know part of the issue with that is with that kind of comes some expectation uh and sometimes those are unfair um, you know, sometimes <laughs> it, that brings, there's some bad in the Husker fandom as well. But that's going to come eventually, um, uh, the good and the bad, if they continue to produce. And then again, how do they handle those expectations? I think that was one of the biggest things with the men's team, um, was that, and, and so far this year, they have not been able to meet those or handle them.
0: Well, speaking of the men's team, let's move on. To Fred Hoiberg and his squad. But first of all, congratulations to the 9-0 start for Amy Williams and company. Once again, their next game is Saturday at 1 p.m. at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Go check them out as they look to start 10-0 and continue that win streak to start the year. But last night, Nebraska falling to the Michigan Wolverines 102-67 at Pinnacle Bank Arena on ESPN2. Just a couple of stats to throw at you. Alonzo Verge finished with 31 points on 12 of 21 shooting. He was 6 of 6 from the line, 1 of 3 from 3-point land. Um, That was quite the performance out of him. Terrence Williams, he had 22 points off the bench, and he was the leading scorer for the Michigan Wolverines. He scored 22 points in 22 minutes last night for the Michigan Wolverines. Michigan shot 39 of 76 to Nebraska's 23 of 72. That's 51 to 31%. 20% 20% differential there. Michigan, 15 of 32 from three. And this is a stat that will make you shake your head. Five of 35 from beyond the arc for the Cornhuskers last night. They shot 14% from three. Free throw percentage was 62% for Nebraska. to Michigan, 75 rebounds. Michigan won that battle 54 to 38. That's something we've been talking about all year. Assists. Michigan, 25. Nebraska, 6. And we were texting during the beginning of this game with many people that we know, and there was just not anything that this team could do correctly, it felt like. The offense was stagnant. It was bad. They didn't move the ball. They took mostly bad shots. And I will consider an open three when, you're, when you start three of 19 from beyond the arc as a bad shot because you're not making them. You need to go inside. And obviously, Hunter Dickinson had his way. He had 20, I believe. 20 or 15, I'll look in a second. But the offense was very lethargic to start the game. Keisei Tomonaga was really your only spark, and he finished 4-14 from the field. Alonzo Verge ended up with 31 points, but a lot of those points really didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. I did like the double-team plan on Dickerson, or Dickinson, rather, but... A, the double team took forever to develop, in my opinion, because they would wait there, Dickinson would be able to see the floor, and then another defender would come over, and people would be able to move, or he could just do that little right-hand hook shot that he's so good at. And when he did get rid of it during the double team, the rotations to the three-point shooters are terrible. And people say, man, teams just seem to light it up from three against us every single time, us as in Nebraska. I wonder why. Because they don't guard the three-point line. That's the reason. It's not a fluke. Every, every team is shooting well against Nebraska from three. It's not a fluke. And I don't know what's going on with shooting. I know Fred Hoiberg was showing him that two basketballs could fit inside of the hoop at once. And he described it as a, quote, big-ass hoop. But there's got to be something that can fix this just awful three-point shooting, and just bad shooting in general. 31%. It's not going to get it done, especially against Michigan, who I know isn't ranked right now, but they're a top 25 caliber team. And I really feel stupid after saying yesterday that, well, Michigan really hasn't looked all that good. I would take the points with Nebraska. I think they can make it close. Clearly, I was well off the mark, and here I am sitting on a Wednesday recording this with Grant Hansen in the co-JMC at UNL. Very, very frustrated
1: yeah I, I mean defending the three-point line is has been a struggle all year I mean it's worse than the rebounding in my opinion uh, I mean if I would you agree. look down the opponent uh, three-point stat line for the year game by game in 10 games this year Nebraska has allowed double-digit three-pointers five times and again additionally they have allowed eight or more three-pointers a grand total of eight times, so the so far this year there has only been two games. That was against Southern and NC State, where they held opponents to less than eight three-point makes, uh, and that was again against NC State and Southern. Each time, six th- made three-pointers. Uh, so I mean, it's it's bad, and you know, again, like, okay, it happens once, it happens twice. Maybe it's a fluke. Uh, maybe it is bad luck. You know, it could be any of those things. When it happens as often as it does against Nebraska, at that point, you're saying, okay, it's not a fluke. It's it's us. Like the common denominator at that point is Nebraska basketball. It's a problem. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, and and arguably, you know, they made Michigan made 15 last night. You could argue pretty easily that they should have made about, like, 21 threes. Um,
0: And even then, 15 is a crazy high number.
1: Right. Yeah, and so I think, you know, last night uh, on the call, Jason Bonetti has cerebral palsy and said literally, like, live on TV, I can play better defense than that or something to that effect. Uh and have you seen me walk? so I mean, like that was like maybe like fifth on the list of most embarrassing things that happened last night as far as and that was the word that you know coach Hoiberg used afterwards it was embarrassing uh didn't compete uh disheartening I mean all those things are bad things and I mean that was about as drained and as blown away um as I have seen him after a game in the post game press conference. And you could just see it. I mean, you could just see it on his face. You could see it on Derek Walker's face. Uh, Just like total shock. I mean, they went out there and laid an egg and, you know, sometimes that happens in basketball where you've got, like, I've seen games like that where a team goes into shoot around and Derek Walker mentioned this, where you're going to shoot around and something feels off. Uh, Guys don't feel focused. Something doesn't feel right. Not as engaged. What have you Uh, been there plenty of times. And, seen the results and sometimes you're just really really off but I don't know if you're off so bad that it's 35 points I mean that's something else and it was tied 13 to 13 it was 19 to 15 at one point uh and and again like you could really make a good argument that Michigan should have had 20 or so made three-pointers because they missed some wide open three-point shots and so I mean I, I, I don't know where you go from here. And and Coach Hoiberg said something, uh, or no, he said everything's on the table in terms of what they're willing to consider uh, with the offense. I mean, the problem is they only, they're limited to some extent on what they can actually change because this offense is built to shoot threes and play fast, and they can't do it. Uh, they're not built to play inside. They're not really built to go inside out either. And so where this team goes from here, I don't know.
0: I don't understand how you could not be locked in slashed focused during a shoot around coming off of two losses to two power five teams, a game that you should have won at NC State, a game that you were somewhat competitive in at Indiana, and you come out here and lay an egg. Two things that I – well, really, one thing I have a question on is why is Derek Walker not taking a single shot? He was 0-for-0 last night with one point from the free throw line. He had four rebounds and a block in 18 minutes. Barely played. And, again, this is sort of – I, I don't I don't want to say this, but I'm going to. But this is sort of reminiscent of Scott Frost saying, "Oh, they came out in an odd front. We have no idea what we're doing now. The game plan's out the window against Illinois." Fred Hoiberg has to have a plan B here. I know their offense, as you as you mentioned, is built to shoot the three ball. It's built to get up and down quickly. And when you can't do that, you need to have a backup plan. You shot 35 threes last night. You made five of them. Five of them. And you can make the argument oh, well, what if, you know, if we make 12 threes, it's a different game. Or if, yeah, you could have said that about any game this year so far. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter the opponent. You could have said that about any single team this year that Nebraska has played. Oh, if they make 12 threes, because, they
1: still lose by 14 points. They but still, lose still by it's better than
0: 35. Oh better than 30 and plus you have to take into account it's at home momentum all hypotheticals but that is just you you have to have a better you have to have a plan b there free throw shooting is fine 16 of 21 I'll take it getting to the line 21 times is good Bryce McGowan's has to be better and I know we were talking about this last night he was two for nine he had eight points last night four four of those nine points came or four of those eight points rather came from the free throw line. And I know he's a freshman. I know he's 18 years old. But when you are coming out of high school as a five-star recruit, you have expectations. You want to go one and done. You want to make it to the NBA, make millions of dollars. Last night was a great opportunity to try and take that next step. You had, what, 16 scouts in the building for the game last night?
1: I think it was 15, but yeah. 15, 15, 15 scouts, 16, something around uh, there. 13 different franchises.
0: So you have that in your home building against a Big Ten opponent, a quality Big Ten opponent, may I add? You now, all of them weren't just there to see Bryce. I get that, but if you're Bryce, you gotta have a better game than that. You, you got, and he cannot shoot the three ball right now. He just can't. I well, don't know okay, why. Okay, so keeps, his takes are bad. Them.
1: His takes are bad. Like taking a shot two, three feet behind the three point line. Like it's hard for me to say like he can't shoot the bat or he can't to say that he can't shoot the basketball, uh because he's not taking good looks.
0: But he's had none open the, looks in but none the, the, in the yeah, past.
1: But none of the looks he's like I I feel I think he's made in my opinion the majority of his open looks, but he has not got a lot of open looks and he took basically uh, no he lit I don't believe he took a shot in the second half if I remember correctly, he does not. You know, he doesn't attack the rim like he should. Um, You know, there's a number of things that aren't going right there. Again, like, to me, like, he, uh, the list of Nebraska's issues is, like, third or fourth, I think, on the list of the most pressing matters. Uh, I mean, number one is obviously the defense. I mean, the defense is just, I mean, the team defense is just horrendous. Uh, I agree with you, number two is probably Derek Walker, um, and, and I think it's a symptom of a larger issue uh, with this team and that surrounds decision making. Uh, whether that is guys deciding to be tough and go in there and rebound, deciding to crash the boards, that's a decision. But I, also on the, on a higher mental level, the decision, you know to, to get guys in situations where they have open looks to set up your best shooters, and to set up your best slashers or your best post players like Derek Walker, uh, or Eduardo Andre, in positions to be successful, be intentional about putting your guys in a position to utilize their best strengths. And you know this team really does not do that. Um, and so I think I, I think that's that it, to me is the biggest issue with this this group. And of course Bryce is a part of that. Uh, but again. Team defense is not where it needs to be as, as a whole. It's just brutal. Uh, and then on the offensive side, again, like you can't have Verge. I mean, Verge took 21 shots. I mean, that that's an opportunity cost right there. Yeah, he scored 31 points, and he had some amazing finishes, and, and there's not a lot you can – You know, it's hard to take away from a performance like that. But he should not be shooting the ball that many times. Part of that is his decision to make, uh, and part of that is the rest of the group – to put themselves in positions where he can facilitate uh he being verge so again like six assists that number is even slightly deceptive like two of those assists came in garbage time so it's really more like three or four assists so I mean even that number is deceptive um I mean yeah it's just it's again against quality opponents it is it has been tough sledding and it doesn't get any easier uh, you know of your next five opon- opponents three are ranked
0: Verge had over 50% of the makes for the team last night and he shot 29% of the shots. And I think he took that many shots because he had to. He didn't really have a choice late in the game. Nobody was making anything. And I'm not saying Bryce is the team's biggest issue. That's that's obvious that's just not true is for what you just mentioned as well. I'm just saying in that moment that I feel like you you just You have to be more aggressive, and that will come with time. And I know, again, I know he's a freshman. I know he's 18 years old. He's younger than Grant and I are. But uh, there's still going to be those expectations there, and as Grant said, the road doesn't get any easier, but those are also big opportunities to try and prove yourself. Another player that is – go
1: ahead. Yeah, I think from the Nebraska perspective, again, I need to reiterate this. I I think it's important for Nebraska fans to – I don't know if patient is the right word, 'Cause it's hard to be patient after a performance like last night. <laughs> you know, like last night, like that was not good, and and I don't think, you know, you should really accept uh last night. In fact, there's parts of the Indiana game that, you know, shouldn't be quote unquote accepted. Uh but there's like parts
0: of the NC State game that shouldn't even be accepted.
1: Right. Uh you know, I I, I think with Bryce though, you do have to be patient. Uh, As a as a Nebraska supporter uh, or a fan, because again, like the the timetable and the sense of urgency to succeed is kind of on Bryce. Like that's Bryce's side of things. Like if Bryce wants to go one and done and get to the NBA, then you know he has to start producing this year. I don't know if that is his goal. Um, You know he's he's projected in a lot of different drafts to be like somewhere around 23 24 right now i don't know if that will continue to fall or not but you know as he plays against some of these higher level teams they'll find out a lot more about him i i think as from a nebraska side you do have to lean more on the a he's 18 side of things um because he is 18 uh and realistically you know from a nebraska perspective he does not have to produce right away Uh, Like, there there was someone, you know, who said last night, well, Nebraska has to be really urgent. Um, This is supposed to be the year. And, you know, I'm not saying that Nebraska should continue to go out there and put out a product like they did last night. That's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, Obviously, if they continue to do that against conference opponents, um, you know, that's unacceptable. But, you know, from a Nebraska side of things, there really isn't a huge sense of urgency. There is one senior on this group, and it's Verge. And arguably, he's been the most productive player on this team. But again, there's a good amount of youth uh, or juniors at, at, the, at the oldest on this group. So as long as they aren't getting boxed like they did last night, or, or as we record this Wednesday, Tuesday, um, you know, I, I don't think you can be much more than just patient on that level um again tonight was on or Tuesday night was unacceptable um but still still like there's there's a level of patience that should be there
0: now I'll pose this question to you then since so you say you don't really feel the need for Bryce to have that big of a role that big of a role in producing offensively is that would that is that accurate
1: no, I think it's more like I am willing to be more patient to wait for him to develop uh, than seemingly okay. most people are. Like I, I would prefer he takes more than zero shots in the second half. But again, like I'm okay with him taking a little bit of time to develop. I need. I mean, like there's a pr- improvement I would like to see, um, but. Again, like I'm okay with being patient with him. I don't need him to score thirty points a game right now um uh, and, and be Mr. Takeover. Like he is not Bonkero. Like he is not some of the freshmen that are part of this class that are legitimate one and duns. Um you know, I I think it would be better for him to stick around an extra year and develop further. I and agree. I'm willing to be patient to do that, like, I, I don't need him scoring 30 points a game. I would like to see him make some progression this year, you know, but, I, like, I don't need it immediately.
0: I would just like to see him step up when nobody else besides Verge is producing. And I know, again, he's the youngest guy on the team, but he's also the highest-rated recruit to ever come here at the same time. And I, I, I will be patient with him. And I'm not saying I'm not asking for thirty a game. I'm asking for like, again, with the amount of scouts that were there, and who knows if he was aware of that or not. But um, in a Big Ten game, I would like to see him get over ten. I would like I would like that because again, nobody else is producing. And a player that and I I, I don't want to single somebody out, but I'm going to anyway. A player that I'm not willing to be patient with anymore is Latman. I have been very frustrated with his play so far. He can't shoot this year. He's been extremely lazy on the defensive end, in my opinion. And really on the offensive end, too, because nobody moves on the offensive end. They just sit there. They just wait for Alonzo to take over and then either throw a bad kickout pass or throw up some wild layup. And I know people get upset at Verge about saying, oh, my God, pass the ball. There's nowhere to pass it to half the time because nobody moves you can't you can't throw it to, to say and say lat's just sitting in the corner the the entire possession they' they're gonna guard him the scouting report says lat may and shooter they're gonna guard him so if he doesn't move how how can you expect alonzo to to make a good pass sometimes he's kind of forced into that bad decision making
1: yeah i mean i I think of guys who I would like to see take open threes. Uh, that list probably goes Tomonaga, uh, McGowan's, Welter like, Mayan Like, Mahan's, like, fourth for me. But part of that, too, I is, put like... I Kobe
0: Webster on top of Mayan.
1: Yeah, that's probably true, too, actually. I, I think part of that for me, though, is, like, hey, like, it's not just Mahan needs to cut. It's someone, Derek Walker uh, or Wilhelm Breidenbach, the fourth. Somebody right. set an off-ball screen to set those guys up to shoot, Um like, that's what I mean by intentionally putting your best players in positions to succeed. And Nebraska mm. does not do a good enough job of that, of of saying, hey, look, Kaysay's on the floor. We as a team should be thinking, how can we get Kaysay wide freaking open uh, to shoot shots? Whether it's it a screen. It's, it's,
0: it's not impossible. As you said, I think you just made a great point. Derek Walker, or somebody set an off ball screen. Somebody make a backdoor cut. Like, off ball screens are way more valuable than somebody thinks. And I just, people got to move and in. I'm, and I'm not saying lat Main is the only person not moving on offense. Everybody's not moving on offense. And that's a huge problem, obviously. As you can see, they scored 67 to Michigan's 102 last night. That's more of a defensive problem than 102 is. But. You should be scoring more than sixty-seven points per game uh, in in this in this era of college basketball. I don't, there's just a lot of a lot of frustrating things that went on last night, and obviously not every game is going to be a thirty-five point loss. But to a Michigan team that wasn't playing as well as they should have been heading into this contest. And Nebraska having a a heartbreaker against NC State in four overtimes and then and then a loss to Indiana that you had a double digit lead in. I just they came out flat and when you come out flat against a team like Michigan when they're when they're on and they were on last night because of the lack of defense, when you're when you don't bring your A game, when you don't bring that energy, it's it's gonna be a long road and it's it doesn't get any easier in the Big Ten. Well and and it does not get any easier.
1: Like people say, sometimes like let's say like one night you get you really undersleep. It's like three hours of sleep or whatever. Uh, You feel fine the next day, and the day after that is when it hits you. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe the four overtime game hit Nebraska against Michigan, but again, like the problem with that is, and maybe that's part of why they're missing some of the open threes. That's probably the one thing I can maybe extend that to. Uh, But again, like it's just it's it's some of the same problem i mean it's the same problems that have you know been around for years now um so i like i don't again i like it's hard for me to describe where this team should go from here because they're designed to do one thing shoot threes play fast they can't do that uh, at least not well and that's a red flag uh, I, I mean obviously that's a red flag but it's just, what do you do? What do you do to, to, to get to the next spot? I don't know if they're built to do any of those things.
0: Defense is a red flag. Offense is a red flag. There are a lot of red flags with this Nebraska ball team. Once again, they lost to Michigan Tuesday night 102-67. Um, they, go, or they have a couple more Power 5 games coming up here. They play K-State, um, which is one of them. They play Auburn in Atlanta. That'll be a tough test as they're 18th in the country. Let's take a quick look at the new AP poll for basketball Um, before we head out of this episode. We'll just go from 25 to 1 real fast. LSU 25, BYU 24, Seton Hall 23, Wisconsin 22, Ohio State 21, Florida 20, Michigan State 19, Auburn 18, Iowa State 17, the Trojans of USC 16, UConn 15, Houston 14, Tennessee 13, They just lost last night. 12, Arkansas. 11, Arizona. 10, Kentucky. 9, Alabama. 8, Kansas. 7, Texas. 6, Villanova. 5, Gonzaga. Number 4, UCLA. 3, Duke. 2, Baylor. And number 1 is the Purdue Boilermakers. So, there's your look at the AP Top 25. Long college basketball season ahead of us. A very entertaining one, hopefully, ahead of us as well. And hopefully things get turned around on the men's side here for basketball, and the women, keep doing what you're doing because you're winning a lot of games, and you're doing it the right way. So keep doing that. Again, they're in action on Saturday at 1 p.m. to try and make it 10-0 at Pinnacle Bank Arena, and that will do it for us on episode number 70 of Husker Sports Weekly. We talked about the new coaching hires. Oh, Grant is waving his hand.
1: Yeah, well, I did want to mention we were set to have a guest. We were set to have a guest for the first time in a while. We were. Uh, But unfortunately, he was poisoned, Uh, so that's unfortunate, Uh, by food, food poisoning. So get well soon, Uh, but we will hopefully, uh, should things work out, have Josh Peterson from 1620 The Zone on with us next week to digest uh, some more of this uh, Husker football news and look back on, uh, on this last, you know, really week and a half uh so we'll we'll know more likely at that point about running back coaches and some of the other picture maybe some recruiting things as well to talk Mm -hmm. with him uh, about next week
0: yes hopefully we'll have josh on soon as those plans got derailed but we'll move onward and upward until we get josh on here so Once again, that will do it for episode number 70 of Husker Sports Weekly. We talked about the new hirees for Nebraska football. We talked about Adrian Martinez entering the transfer portal. We talked men's and women's hoops here at Nebraska. And we did a quick coverage of the AP Top 25 heading into this week. Once again, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson 15 underscore Hanson. You can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly, and you can find our show on your favorite podcast networks. Just search Husker Sports Weekly. In the search bar, we'll be back next week with more Husker news, basketball, football, volleyball, anything under the sun as we record episode number 71 next week. That'll be out next Thursday. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. Listenership is great as always. We really appreciate your follows, your feedback on social media. So please keep that up and we will be consistent throughout winter break as well, uploading every single Thursday so once again thanks so much for listening to episode number 70 of Husker Sports Weekly and until next week go Big Red